When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A huge thanks to Hum Nutrition, the sponsor of today's episode. So I have been taking my very own clients lately. I've started my own small business and I do do virtual consultations. They are very in-depth sessions and I'm not only trying to understand what my client's skincare routines are like, I'm trying to get an overall understanding of what their wellness level is like. Do they take care of themselves? What's their stress level like? How's their digestion? How do they feed their skin? What do they eat? Do they work out? Are they sleeping well? All of these things, right, can definitely play into skin health. And when something is amiss internally, usually our skin is one of the first areas to reflect it, trying to signal to us, hey, something is wrong. Let's take a closer look at the body as a whole. I don't know about you guys, but I've totally been that person just wandering through Whole Foods wondering which vitamins I should get. Hum makes it really simple and it's all about helping you find the right solution for you to achieve real results in your mind, body, and mood. Hum only uses clinically proven ingredients that are highly absorbable, non-GMO, and free of common allergens. Hum offers personalized product recommendations from a registered dietitian based on your concerns. You can use their three-minute evaluation to help figure out which vitamins and supplements will help you achieve your beauty goals. And again, these products are backed by clinical results, and they're designed to get you looking and feeling your very best, and they are shipped to you each month. So I took the quiz and it came up with some suggestions for me based on my goals and improvements I'd like to see in my body. I tend to want to focus on gut health, which is so tied to the skin, and probiotics and digestive enzymes are a couple of things that I have realized can really help my body to break down food and just function better as a whole. So I take the Daily Cleanse, which is a mix of detoxifying herbs and minerals that can help reduce breakouts and improve skin clarity. I also take their Skin Squad Pre and Probiotic, which is nine ultra-targeted strains of good bacteria that balance the gut, reduce non-cystic acne, and helps to improve dry skin. And then lastly, Flatter Me, which is a blend of digestive enzymes and herbs that help break down carbs and fats to help reduce bloating, which is always kind of a sore subject for me, and help to improve digestion. With cold and flu season approaching and everything going on right now, we got to stay on top of our well-beings, get your sleep, eat right, take your vitamins, manage your stress. To help boost your well-being in the ways that you need it most, you can take Hum's quick quiz and get individualized product recommendations from their team of registered dietitians to help bring your skin, body, hormones, and mood into balance with Hum Nutrition. Use my code TREATMENT and you can get 15% off your order of $29 or more. Plus, with flexible subscription options and super chic packaging, I really look forward to taking my vitamins every day, and it's insanely easy to stay on top of your daily dosage. That's humnutrition.com to take the quiz and code TREATMENT for 15% off your first order. Take care of yourselves, guys, and enjoy the show. You're listening to The Treatment Room, a safe haven for estheticians and beauty lovers alike to indulge in all things skincare. We've got a lot on the books, from interviews with experts and estheticians to sessions with me one-on-one dedicated to helping you find your glow and reach your professional potential in this ever-changing spot industry. I'm Tess, and I'll be your esthetician and host. 
feel free to relax, take a deep breath, and grab a comforting cup of tea. Welcome to the treatment room. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the treatment room. I'm your host, Tess Zolli, and today we have one of my closest girlfriends and former classmates back on the podcast. Many of you might already know her. Her name is Jackie Zuzu, and she is the owner of Glow and Go Beauty Co., which is a beauty studio that offers eyelash enhancements, brow lamination, and organic airbrush tanning. So fun. These are actually a lot of services I have no experience with whatsoever, and they're sort of outside the normal, traditional esthetician school realm. So I'm super excited to learn more about them from Jackie. Let's welcome her. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. Good. How are you? I'm good. I Yeah, it's been so long. First of all, Jackie and I have had <laughs> extreme technical difficulties recording. So we're super, I'm super grateful that we were able to get everything sorted out. She was at her studio and then drove 20 minutes home to make sure she had better Wi-Fi. So she's here. Everything's good. Jackie, tell us a little bit, like a brief summary, because we've had you on before and you guys should definitely go back and listen to the first episode with Jackie. But tell us a little bit about your background and what your business entails now. So I got into the more lashing side of aesthetics. I was a student at St. Mary's College of California and was studying psychology. And at the time, I was also working at a tanning salon. That was my college job. Some things happened that kind of switched my path. And I decided to put myself through night school at Skyline, which you and I attended together. And when I went in, I decided to do lashing because I was actually a client getting my lashes done. And I felt like every time I got my own lashes done, it was like a therapy session. So that Mm -hmm. was something that combined my two passions of the beauty industry that I was already working in and my desire to act as this therapist figure in somebody's Mm -hmm. life. Yeah, it seems like you have a really special relationship. I can just tell from, I don't like even the way your clients post on social media about you and the way you guys interact, it seems like a very special, close, intimate relationship. It is. I love my clients. They are the best, like the best of the best. Tell us, okay, because everyone dreams of creating their own like client base and having amazing clients. How do you think you attracted such an amazing group of people? I really think that word of mouth, a lot of my clients are friends and know each other. And that's really special. It almost acts as though we all kind of have a relationship with each other, which is great. Also, media as well. I think that Mm -hmm. through my social media, I very much show my true personality. And I think that my clients also when they are giving me shout outs, like you just explained, Mm -hmm. they are very authentic. I'm very authentic. So I think it really creates a true bond because of how real and raw we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting you bring that up because I almost feel the same like with my, I feel like when you are an esthetician or you provide certain beauty services, people are really attracted to you for your personality. And I feel like even within my, like, I feel like every esthetician has like a special group of clients that they know just like would ride or die for them, will, you know, support them. And there's definitely like those special people. I feel like those people I'm thinking of really like mirror my personality, which is interesting. Maybe we're just like sort of attracting like, I don't know if like-minded is the word, but people who put out 
a similar energy. So tell me a little bit about how your business has evolved from when you first opened to what it is now, because I know you offer some different services, you're in a new location. How has it changed since you first started? Lots of changes. So exciting. I am in a new location. So I went from renting a room inside of another salon to now having my own lease, my own space, which I love. I am now doing tanning independently, whereas before I was just lashing independently and then tanning under a different company. Now I do both on my own. And I also now do brow lamination, brow waxing, and I have extended my eyelash services to include uh, lifts and tints as well as the extensions. So new services, new location, really just expanding. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about like the technical side of the services you offer. I want to get into that because I know a lot of SDs are interested in that. When it came to, okay, your new space, I know there was a little bit of a challenge around that. Can you, do you mind going into detail a little bit? Because I know this was one of the biggest challenges you've had to face and it was a big, I think, point of stress at the time. But now, like, now just looking at the situation, I feel like it's panned out to really benefit you. Thank you. No, I don't mind at all. So pretty much I, like I said, was renting a room inside of another salon and that salon had been there for quite some time. Their lease ended, their lease cost increased, and they came to the sudden decision that they would not resign. And therefore, I had to find a new location with very, very short notice, less than 30 day notice. <sighs> yeah, I remember getting that text from you. So that was, was very stressful. I did not anticipate uh, that, but that is something. Yeah you run the risk of when you are a sublease. So for any estheticians that are looking into spaces, that unfortunately is something that you should keep in mind. Yeah. And so when I found my new location, it was a lease. I wanted a concrete lease. So that is what I have now. And shortly after I moved there, less than a month, the pandemic hit. So I couldn't even utilize the space for quite some time. But I I guess I just was meant to do that move and that shift because honestly, had the two things been more congruent, I don't know that I would have even had a space or felt like I had something to go back to. So it kept mm. me motivated throughout the pandemic knowing, you know, my new beginning is waiting for me when this is over. Like I'm just starting. I have to go back to this. Yeah. Would you say you recommend doing what you did, even though it sort of unfolded accidentally? Would you recommend a new business owner first subleasing and then looking into having their own lease? You know, truthfully, I was working at the salon that I was subleasing from for years. And the reason why I decided to rent a room inside of that salon was for two reasons. A, practicality. It was nice to have pretty much both of my jobs all in one place. But Mm -hmm. B, I also felt that I would gain clientele in my other service based on the clients that I already had with the tanning. Mm -hmm. Because you were able to transfer them. Your previous boss, just to clarify for everyone, basically said like you can take over this client list. Yes, down the road, but reason why I wanted to do lashing inside of the tanning salon was I felt I would be able to build a clientele there because there was already clients getting beauty services. I figured why would they not get beauty services with me? They already see my face around there and they're clearly already interested in beauty upkeep. However, truthfully, I don't feel like I gained clientele just being inside of a salon. I feel that I put in just as much work in outsourcing and trying to find new clients, whether I was in a salon or not in a salon in 
um, an office complex. Okay. And was, was there a big price difference between subleasing versus having your own space? I know it's a little, it's a little different because you did like some work trade, right? Yeah, I did. Um, but regardless, the sublease generally is less. However, you don't have that stability because you don't know what the main lease looks like. You don't have the stability, but you do have more responsibility. Would you say that's true? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're busting myths. No, this is good. Okay. How about when it came down to, I know you were kind of under a pressure cooker because you had to make a fast decision, but I want to talk a little about what went into choosing your location because I remember when you were going and touring different spaces, you were sending me videos and asking me which one I liked best. What went into your final decision of feeling like, okay, I'm going to go with this space because it has X, Y, Z. So location, I wanted to be as close to where I was as possible. Mm. Where I work, it's very competitive. And though I'm sure that my clients would have followed me, even if I had gone a tad bit farther, I wanted it to be as convenient of a switch for them as possible. I also looked into parking accessibility. Nothing is worse than going to a place and doing circles and circles and circles and circles looking for parking. I don't. Exactly. I don't like it. They don't like it. It's very much a lose-lose situation. So I knew the parking situation very well around there. And also the amenities. Um, Wi-Fi was good. It included a lot of things. Cleaning. It's a clean facility. I felt safe. I do work late. So another thing, safety. Do I feel okay leaving this space at night by myself? Because if you don't feel safe in your own space, that's just going to translate into everything you do. This is your second home. You have to treat it that way. What went into actually making the space appealing and inviting for clients? I definitely wanted to stick to the aesthetic that I already had going, which is my pink and palm trees. For those of you that know me, you know I love the tropical oasis. Yes. vibe. <laughs> it is iconic. So I incorporated a lot of that into my office. I did pick kind of an end of the hall unit because I felt more privacy and tucked away there. Mm-hmm. So just really wanted to make it my own little nook almost per se. Totally. And I love that you brought up your little palm tree because honestly, it's such genius branding. Now, whenever I see a palm tree, I think of you, if somebody is, you know, wanting to start up their beauty business, they're thinking about branding, what are some elements that you have incorporated maybe like throughout your website and your social media to really stand out in people's minds? I really try to stick to my theme. I did my entire website myself. I do my social media myself. So I would just suggest trying not to switch up too much. If you want to switch around layouts or, you know, try playing with different types of content, that's fine. But really once somebody has their visual of you and their, your brand in their mind, I wouldn't try to mess with it so much. Even if you do decide to rebrand, I would still implement old elements into the new element. Yeah. I think that, is an amazing answer. Consistency is definitely key. What about any favorite tools? Because you mentioned you do, (laughs) you pretty much do everything. You do your website, your social media, you're doing the hands-on services. Are there any favorite tools that you use for managing your business, whether it's a social media tool a graphic design surface, um, a scheduling app, something you use to make your website, anything like that? Definitely. I'll tell you it all. So I use Wix for my website. I have used, what's the other one? WordPress. I found Wix 
to be much more user-friendly if you are looking at the two. So I went with that. And then I also love the app Planoly. So I use Visco and I use Planoly. I use Visco to keep a consistent overlay on my photos and a consistent theme. And then I use Planoly to schedule. So what I would suggest doing is weekly or honestly even monthly, put all your content into Planoly. You can move it around to create the perfect grid. It's great for visual people, which obviously I am as a lash technician. And you can write your descriptions in there, everything. You can schedule them to be posted for you at certain times. You can choose multiple platforms for them to be posted on. It just saves a lot of time planning ahead. That way you are having your posts done when you're sleeping or when you're at the gym or in the middle of your work day and you don't even have to touch your phone. So I love that. I know that a lot of people use Canva. I actually use Adobe for my graphic designing. I, I'm loyal to Adobe, <laughs> Adobe Spark. And for my booking system, I have also played with a lot of booking systems. I've worked at a number of salons. I have used Square. I've used MindBody. I've used Millennium. And right now I use Vagaro. I love Vagaro. I'm sticking with it. You can do packages, memberships. It's really easy scheduling. Um, has your liability waivers on there already. It's amazing. Come out of time. Oh my gosh. Okay. Those were such nuggets of wisdom. I think everyone's going to love all of that. Speaking of scheduling, I know we've talked about this recently. Honestly, scheduling. Okay. I feel like it, it can be, if you don't have the right ground rules in place, things that can arise from, you know, scheduling things like people not being on time or being no-shows are so frustrating for estheticians. And there was this meme, I don't know if you saw it, Jackie, but it was like, what people think I'm doing when I'm charging them for their late fee. And she was like, like, cracking up and it was like basically like making it sound like she was evil and then it was like what I'm actually doing and like showing her being sad like charging the credit card but yeah can you speak on that a little bit maybe any like frustrations you've had with scheduling and how how you've sort of set your own ground rules just to maintain, I think it's like that mutual respect between client and esthetician. You value my time. You understand if you're booking that appointment, you know, you are taking it away from somebody else if you know show. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experiences with scheduling. So I think every esthetician definitely will experience no shows and late cancellations. And if you don't, please give us both a call and let us know how you avoid this because it is inevitable. And I do try to be empathetic and realize that most of my clients are not estheticians, right? Most of my clients have nine to fives. And if they're on the phone, they get the same if they're not on the phone. They get sick pay, they get benefits, they get maternity leave, all these things. And sometimes they don't realize that when we don't have somebody in our treatment room, we're not working. Um, if we account for a client to come and then that client doesn't come and we couldn't replace it with anybody, then it was quite literally a waste of our time. So I always try to explain this to clients if it starts to become an issue just so they really understand our position. I do have policies. I do have a 24-hour cancellation policy. If you late cancel, cancel after that window, but it is before your appointment time, then it's a $50 charge unless the charge of the service was less than that. Then it will just be 100% of the lesser charge of the service. If it's a complete no-show, I charge 100% of the service because... At that point, I feel you could have at least given me some form of heads up and you chose not to. I do send out text reminders. So there really is no reason to late cancel or no show, but at least a late cancel has the, the, the respect to notify me at all. 
whereas a no-show does not. So those are, those are my policies. Really, I would just suggest having a very honest conversation about it and explaining why, from our perspective, it's not acceptable and how it's unfair to you, how it's unfair to another client that really wanted the spot that couldn't get in because this person was already booked in that spot. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't really told anyone about this, but I am sort of like, I no longer work at the spa I previously worked at. And I am starting to do like a it's sort of like a soft launch, very small group of people, but starting to do virtual skin consultations um, to help people who aren't able to get into a salon or just want to get some help from home with their routine and their skin first. And like the first two appointments I've accepted, and it's something I've realized is a little bit of a gamble when taking friends. I don't know if you've had this experience, Jackie, maybe not. But gosh, it's tough because I feel like friends sometimes just assume, oh, that's my friend. Like I can tell her last minute. And it's just, it's been like a little discouraging for me and I shouldn't take it personally, but I think this is, it's great to hear your perspective because it sounds like you're very understanding, you're very empathetic and you give people, you know, maybe a one, I don't know, do you give people like a one-time courtesy if they're late or no shows? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So then I don't, you are the reason why you are firm. I feel that when you begin, you do do this, right? You want to build up your clientele. You, you want to be liked. It's normal to want to be liked. That's human nature. But yeah. I felt that truthfully, it would just make the situation worse. When I wouldn't set that precedent from the second it happened, I felt that it became the expectation. Oh, it's okay if I'm five mm. minutes late. I'll just send her a okay. text and let her know. You know, there has to be that point where it's like, no, I'm not taking you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I know like firing your clients is an expression we hear often. Do you have any insights into that? Yes, I have fire. I have. <laughs> She's like so the tea. I have fired clients. I have fired multiple clients for various reasons. Um, okay, it's hard. I would say it's one of the hardest things to do. Hire, firing clients and firing employees just mm. both are heart wrenching. Mm. Um, but I'm like a sponge. I know that I absorb so mm-hmm. much emotion. I am so passionate about what I do that one bad egg will shift my mood and that will translate into the entire last day, if not the entire maybe week, depending on how bad the situation was. And I know that some estheticians will probably disagree with me and say, you know, we provide a service and this is our job to deal with things like this. Like we should be able to accommodate any and all client. And I disagree. I can't afford to accommodate clients that dull my fire because then that's going to translate into my appointments with clients that deserve my 100%, my passion, all of that. I I can't afford to have my passion dimmed by a client that you know doesn't respect my time or doesn't speak to me uh, respectfully or just mm-hmm. different things. Uh, okay. It's not fair to my clients that deserve me to be all in, happy, genuinely excited to do their service and have that be ruined by you know somebody else's attitude or tardiness or disrespect mm-hmm. or all of the above. I just can't afford it. It's not fair to my other clients to, to keep them. I am super proud to say this episode is sponsored by Allure Magazine. I want to take a quick break and talk about where my relationship with beauty all began, where this whole obsession got its start. So I was a 90s baby, and before Instagram and influencers, before YouTube Get Ready With Me videos and TikTok, we had magazines. 
And I didn't just like magazines or casually buy them and flip through them. No, no, it was a whole event for me. I was just captivated by them. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for magazines. There was one in particular I waited all month long for, and that was Allure magazine. It was so special because it was the first dedicated space for beauty that I had ever stumbled upon. That first space where I could just hang out on those pages. I could learn about the products. I would mood board my favorite beauty looks. I would pull out those pages and put them on my bulletin board. And I would just fully and unapologetically immerse myself in that passion. I waited all month long, and when my allure arrived, it was this special day. I would just, I would dart out to our driveway. I remember I would tear off that plastic seal. I would run back to my room and lock the door and just hop on my bed and read the magazine for hours. That was my first experience with what we now call self-care. And you guys know me, I am always going to point you towards the best resources and information on skincare and beauty. That's why I am honestly so excited. This is so full circle for me, but I am so excited to share with you a new podcast from the experts at Allure called Allure, the Science of Beauty. Join Allure as they dive deep on topics like sunscreen and wrinkles, and don't be surprised if you discover your new favorite serum, hair mask, or scalp treatment along the way. Michelle Lee, Editor-in-Chief, and Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director, are asking the tough questions, we love that, and getting the straight answers from dermatologists, cosmetic chemists, and more experts. The best part is you don't have to wait a month for the information to show up on your driveway like I did. A new episode airs every Thursday, so listen to Allure, the science of beauty at listen.allure.com slash tests or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll pop that information in the show notes for you guys. I know I cannot wait to listen to this podcast and I hope it brings you the same joy that the magazine has always brought me. Yeah, yeah. And I think the empathy is honestly a strong suit. And that's what makes some people, you know, five star standout estheticians. It's just unfortunate when you really have a strong sense of empathy. And just like, you're very in touch with energy and people's feelings. And then like you said, you do have that one like bad experience. And it really does taint your day. Like, how do you go about actually, you know, like, quote, unquote, firing that client? It depends on the situation. I think that sometimes a client knows that they (laughs) messed up. For example, it is very common, right, for clients that do have a cancellation policy and that they don't take credit card. I'll just use this as an example, where they Mm -hmm. expect to get that cancellation fee later via Zelle or Venmo or Cash App or however, Mm -hmm. accept payment, and then they don't get it, right? So at that point, the client is pretty much saying, I'm not giving you my cancellation fee because I don't plan on coming back. Because if I planned on coming back, obviously, I would have owed it to you. So in a situation like that, it has already taken care of itself pretty much. Um, unfortunately it goes down that way. However, in other situations, it can be a little bit more complicated where you have to tell the client that you don't want them anymore. And this is a conversation that I have had to have multiple times. Um, Mm. one time I had to say, you know what? I just don't think that we are compatible. Our working relationship is unhealthy. I'm going to refund you the rest of your package. And I would like to refer you to these other businesses. But in terms of providing you the service, I no longer can. Or Mm -hmm. there was also a time where I had to fire a client. Um, It was a guy. (laughs) He was being inappropriate, making inappropriate comments towards me. And truthfully, I was afraid because as you know, I'm a 
young girl that works alone. And I had to call. Wait, I don't know if I've heard this story. Yeah. I had, <sighs> I had a guy that was saying some no-no comments. That's not okay. What kind of service was he getting, if you don't mind me asking? Spray tans. Oh, okay. Gosh. <laughs> and that's such like an intimate thing. Like you're already in a vulnerable position. So that would make me super uncomfortable. I'm glad you stood up for yourself. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, you know, the longer you let clients get away with things that don't sit well with you, you're just allowing it. It's becoming a precedent. Yeah. You have to stand yeah. up for yourself in this industry and you are strong. That's why you're in this industry. So I had to call him and tell him, you know what? I don't dislike you as a person, but this working professional relationship, it's starting to get, it's starting to cross the line a little bit and I don't want it to go there. My reputation is too valuable to me. So I'm going to have to refer you to other businesses, no hard feelings, but I can't continue to take you under these circumstances. Honestly, good for you, Jackie. That's, it's not easy to stand up for yourself. And I'm sure so many so many men, unfortunately, are used to getting away with it because they bank on the fact that, you know, a woman might not feel comfortable to enough to stand up for herself. So I'm, I'm glad you did that and you handled it so professionally. Well, it's true. You know, I don't want that reputation of being, yeah. you know, oh, she'll do anything for her spray tan money. Like that's yeah, definitely no. not the case. <laughs> no, not the absolutely case. not. That's not the case at all. So really just don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. You will find a client to replace that client that does respect your policies and you as a person and you as the business owner. And just remember, you know, it's not just about this hour or this 20 minutes or however long your service is. It's about all the time you spent in school, all the time Mm -hmm. you spent, you know, practicing your craft outside of this. You are owed Mm -hmm. all of that. Your time is valuable. Uh, you deserve every dollar that you ask for. So don't let people take advantage of that, even if it is your friends and family. And unfortunately, friends and family will try. Um, yeah. But it's just, I just want to say this. I feel like, and so many people I love, unfortunately, <laughs> to take advantage of of my knowledge and, you know, ask for things for free. And it really comes from a place of just like not understanding and you can't blame them because they're just like not in this world and they unfortunately may not see you as um I don't know it's it's just like it's not like asking for a free commodity like you know a free pair of jeans if your friend like works in fashion like this is your manual time and labor and energy and like time you're giving to them that you could spend with someone else so yeah I think everything you mentioned Jackie about just you know having that confidence in yourself and the time you've spent in school educating yourself is so valid and so so true I want to talk a little bit about your services since they are unique and I get so many questions, honestly, about, you know, a lot of the things you do as far as lashing and brows. So, okay. I have a a bunch of questions I have written down and a lot of these come from you listeners. So the first one and this, some of these might be like a simple yes or no, but do you need an aesthetics license to get into the lash extension game? Legally, yes. Okay. So somebody would have to complete esthetician school and then go on to... Esthetician or cosmetology. Okay. Truthfully, no, there is nothing that requires you to go get that outside learning. However, if you want to have success in doing lashes, you will need to carve out some extra time and funds to put yourself through external trainings because you are not taught eyelash extensions in school. You are taught brow waxing. However, you are not taught brow lamination you are in mm-hmm. hot lash lifts and tints. And the only service I provide you do not need an esthetician or cosmetology license for is spray tanning. Anybody can do spray tanning. Okay. Good to know. 
And I know you mentioned like outside funds. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about what that entails as far as cost of classes and cost of supplies or anything else you would need? Usually when you take a class, it will include a kit. Lashes, especially if you're going to do volume, you spend a lot in lash material. Uh, The courses can get up there. I mean, there are courses in the thousands. There are courses in the high hundreds. Definitely invest in your trainings. You can also work in a salon that offers services as well. That's another great way to learn more in detail as well. So there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. But in terms of just going to esthetician school and expecting to figure it out, watching YouTube videos or whatever it may be, I do not suggest that in terms of not Mm -hmm. going to esthetician school and just spending in courses and not getting the proper education on sanitizing and risking the fines for not having the proper credentials. I don't recommend that either. It's definitely going to take a blend of the two. I was going to say something I talk about often is really just not rushing and you know, sort of enjoying the process, would you recommend somebody do what you did, which is go to, you know, another lash studio and sort of learn there before going out on your own? I have no regrets of working at a lash studio prior to having gone on my own. I will be very forthcoming in this. They did try to sue me. They were not happy. They did send letters to my other employer, pretty much warning her that I'm shady, (laughs) Uh, which was discouraging and it did really hurt my feelings. And I think that they had hoped that this would prevent me from continuing on. It did not prevent me. And, you know, I'm still a successful lash artist to this day. Um, But that is something you risk in California non-competes cannot be upheld. So if you are a listener outside of this state, I would look into can non-compete agreements, NDAs, all of those be upheld into what stature because I wasn't worried or and I didn't lose sleep in California, but that is something to think about if you are going to take that route in a different state. Eek. I mean, it's crazy and sad that a company would do that and try to discourage an independent esthetician from starting their own business. But I mean, obviously it happens. And I think a lot of these, it could be intimidating to somebody if it's like, you know, a big corporate franchise, you know, talking to just like, you know, a younger esthetician and obviously they want to threaten you and scare you. And I feel like something I've noticed about me as I get older is like when I was younger, I really just wanted to be like, quote unquote, good in everyone's eyes. Like I wanted everyone to like me and I wanted to impress everyone. Like I wanted to be on the good list. And I feel like a lot of young women especially are the same and just young young people in general you know we want to be held in a good light so I think it's a good learning lesson just that you know somebody else's opinion of you doesn't take away from your worth like Jackie could have easily let that hinder, you know, what she did in the future and thought like, I don't want to be on the bad list. Like I want to be, you know, a good person. So I won't pursue that. Yeah. And you can't let that stop you. Yeah. And you're going into business by yourself for yourself. So you can't let anybody stand in your way. Cause if you do at the end of the day, you're in your own way. So how long did it take you How long did it take you, Jackie, to get to the point you are now where you feel super comfortable, like anybody can walk in, any eye shape with, you know, any different type of request for a lash style? How long did it take for you to feel comfortable doing that kind of work? I would say about six to eight months. 
good to know. I kind of want to talk a little bit about like technical tips you may have for lashing. Is there anything that that comes to mind in, you know, doing a really great set of lashes? So the way I lash is very untraditional. I think if any other lash artist looked at me and watched me lash, they'd be like, what is she doing? And same thing with my spray cans. Um, I know that a long, long, long time ago, the place that you have had some previous work experience Mm -hmm. at, they also Mm -hmm. offered spray tanning. I know that you didn't do it, but I know you've seen it. And when you watch me, I'm sure it looks 110% different. So I'm, I'm known to have very unique and quote, quote, weird techniques. I would say when I first started to lash, I did different panels, right? I would draw them out on my gel pads and I would do uh, five la- five lashes in one panel, five in the next, five in the next, five in the next. And then on the other side, do five in the next, five in the next, five in the next, five on the next, and then just bounce between the two eyes. So I would get them symmetrical. Now I don't draw on my gel pads. I I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know where my placement is going to switch sizes. I don't do two eyes at the same time. I'll do one and then I'll do the other. Or if I want to do both at the same time, I will. I usually start from outer corner and work my way in. I know other artists work, you know, from the middle and then work outward. Truthfully, I don't really think it matters where you start as long as When that time clock hits, both sides look beautiful, identical, gorgeous, and good separation, isolation. Uh, One tip I will say is with working with glue, make sure you don't work with a glue that's too slow of a drying time for the pace you work, but too fast of a drying time pace you work either. Because if it dries too slow and you work too fast, then all your lashes will get stuck together. If you use a glue that dries too quickly for you, by the time you place it onto the natural lash, it's not going to adhere properly and it's not going to last. I think that's great. And how about like choosing a style for somebody's eye? Let's say they came came in and they just said like, you can do whatever you think is best. Do you have any tips there? I would say if they want something that makes their eyes look more open if they have smaller eyes and they want to contour their eye to look bigger then you want to do your longest lengths in the middle if they have big eyes and they kind of want more of a sensual appearance then I would do your longest lengths at the end kind of more of a cat eye so for me I don't know if your viewers know or your listeners know what I look like I have very very big blue eyes (laughs) thank you but (laughs) If I do my longest lashes in the middle, I swear I look like Bambi. My eyes look huge. I could almost tone down my eyes a little bit. So I do that by almost creating a winged eyeliner look instead of increasing the appearance of my big wide eyes. And it's all about contour. That's the great thing about eyelash extensions. If I wanted them to look even bigger, I could but I don't. I already look like a bug. That is so, no, it's so interesting. I feel like I'm learning so much about lashing. What do you do, Jackie, if, I don't know, like you choose one of those styles and somebody hates it and they call you and say like, you know what? I really don't, I don't like it. I'm not happy with the service would want to pinpoint exactly what they don't like about it. Do they not like the shape? Do they not like the amount of volume? Do they feel it's too sparse? Do they feel it's too thick? Do they feel it's too long? Do they feel it's too long in a certain place, all over, uh, too short, etc.? And then I will do a couple little accommodations. The great thing about eyelash extensions is you can switch up the shape. You can switch up the length. You can do all of those things. Um, I always tell them, you know, you probably won't see the full transition with this fill because it's still going to be a mix. But by your next fill, you will have seen that transition. My last question on the topic is if you had to, and this is sort of like putting you on the spot, but if you had to pick like a few qualities that you think make for an amazing 
lash artist like maybe patience is one of them because I think you're very patient and like I don't know if lashing would be for me because I like more that instant sort of gratification of like working through a facial and like getting extractions out then doing a peel like if you know what I'm saying like moving um, through something like that what do you think are some qualities that make for a great lash artist that's so funny because I think you're patient and I think I'm impatient a great lash artist truthfully I feel like has to be a good listener a good communicator they have to be willing to tell their client the truth with what's going on with their lashes if your lashes are dirty you have to be able to say that and I think some people really struggle with telling a client the truth about their aftercare and their home care and I guess that translates into facials as well you do have to find a way to politely tell a client you know what what you're doing could be done better let's work on it together I also think, yes, you do have to be patient. You do have to be empathetic. You really just have to be you, though. I truly just feel that you will find your clients and attract your circle just being yourself. For so many years, I hid my personality when I was working for other companies. I wanted to uphold the company's brand and do it the company way. And I didn't want clients to be swayed in either positive or negative direction based on my personality. I just wanted their experience to be a reflection of the company as a whole and not of me. And I felt that the second I kind of started to come out of my shell and show a little bit of my personality and really let my clients get to see me for me and get to know them on them and mm-hmm. cut through mm-hmm. surface level, I built more stable relationships and connections. So I would really say a good lash artist is somebody that can be very personable. And that does require a level of vulnerability, good communication, good listening, empathy, but still somebody that stands their ground as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that is something that for most of us, I think takes a little bit of time. I would say, yeah, for me, it was similar. I, I, I mean, it's such a new situation when, you know, all of a sudden you're licensed and you're working for a company, like you just want to do a good job. You want to deliver a great service and results. And, you know, I feel some of us can almost get caught up in like, almost like, like a robot mode, which is just, it's way more fun when you have that moment where you are comfortable and you can finally be yourself and be in the present moment. And I think people really feel that, feel that back. And it's a really special feeling when you like finally feel comfortable. Definitely. And honestly, (laughs) I don't know if I should say this on recording, but my clients live for my dating stories. (laughs) the second I started talking about my actual weekend plans instead of telling everyone "Mm, I don't know no plans really kind of just being yeah hush hush about my life um once I started telling them a little bit about myself and what I do in my free time date (laughs) every time they come in they're like oh my god tell me all the details I want to know all about the dating how's this guy what's the update it's like almost like a tv series coming in for your (laughs) appointment awesome so I mean it's worked well for me stopping stopping the shyness and the hiding of my true persona has been the best thing I've ever done for myself. And it's so much more fun. I swear. We love it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I think the rules are changing a little bit and that's never something you would hear in school. You know, it's one of those things people don't teach and there's like a different, it's not like Jackie is, you know, like chatting every random person who comes into her salon's ear off and like of course there's still a degree of professionalism but like 
you know, it's like such a special industry because most of the time we're working with, I mean, and especially for us, like we're working with women, a lot of them are age and, you know, as long as it's like still within a professional, you know, parameter, like I think it can really cultivate, you know, a closeness and it's, it's what makes Jackie's business. Like, I don't think this would apply for every business and everyone listening. And there might even be the the person out there who's like, I would never do that. That's not for me. And you know what? Like the rule, I think the rule is it's about being authentic to you. And I think like, for example, Jackie's brand is very much built on being her authentic self. Like she, you know, is very real with her audience and, you know, what she posts. And it's almost just like, I think something that makes your business special is it is like going in and like talking with a girlfriend, but a girlfriend you really trust to do an amazing job with your lashes. I definitely raised some eyebrows. Um, I used to worry about what other owners of businesses primarily in the beauty industry around me thought about, I mean, they have seen me over the past five years probably go from this very shy, very politically correct, legs crossed, like sealed lipped girl to, you know, I'll drop a couple swear words here and there. I will give a little brief update about the (laughs) date that I went on instead of having to tell each of you every hour, I'll just throw it out there. Um, Well, that's the fun. And you have to, at the end of the day, like I said, you cannot lose your love for what you do. So whatever you have to do to keep that love going and keep your clients loving coming to you as well, like do it. There are no rules when you're all your own boss, really, truly. Like I used to have a dress code that I made all the girls comply with. And now I come and rip jeans if I want to. And it's great. (laughs) That is, you know, the luxury of Exactly. Having your own business, making your own rules. And I, I personally love the authenticity. Like I think everybody's brand is going to be a little bit different and that's what makes it special. And that's what makes it fun. Yes, exactly. And you know, the first few times you go into a business and they seem like they have their professional image together, that flies for a few appointments but very quickly, people will catch on to how disingenuous it feels. And it is. I mean, people really want to get to know you. That's what really will make that relationship go to the next level and become concrete, showing your real true self. I like it. I think it's a, a interesting take that like I haven't, haven't heard anyone speak about. And I think the industry is is definitely shifting, you know, a little bit. But I think one of the most beautiful things about, you know, being an esthetician and, you know, maybe for one person, it's not swearing or talking about dating, but maybe it's opening up in another way. I think one of the most beautiful things about it is like when somebody's on that treatment table, you know, like you said, Jackie, like you talk about the weather and the small talk for maybe like a couple appointments, but, you know, when they're people that, really love you and you have that genuine connection, like you're going to learn things about their life. You're going to learn about their hardships. They may hear about yours or maybe, you know, a funny story about, you know, a date you had. Like, I think that's kind of what makes the industry very cool and, you know, a little bit different than how it may have been 30 years ago. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even in the past five years I've been in this industry or five, six, however many years, I have seen that shift too. Before you go, Jackie, is there, you know, a piece of advice that comes to mind, something perhaps that you wish you could have told your younger self when it comes to having a business or being an amazing esthetician, anything like that? If it won't matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes worrying about it. 
preach, which is something <laughs> which is something Tess and I both struggle with. <laughs> I know. But I think again it goes back to the empathy and like we care we really do care what people think about us and and we can ruminate and worry on it. But um I I think that is wonderful advice because it it truly probably won't matter in five years. So we got to be easy on ourselves and understand like life is a learning process. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, big girl moves come with some big girl headaches. So yes, part of the process. <laughs> yes. Amen. Jackie, where can everyone find you on social media or possibly to book an appointment if they are in the Bay Area. You can find me on my website, glowandgobeautyco.com, on Instagram at glowandgobeautyco, and on Facebook at glowandgobeautyco. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I know everyone is going to love this episode, and it was so good to catch up. Talk to everybody in the next episode. Mm-hmm.